0: Welcome to the Cultural Psychology Podcast. My name is Taina, your host for today's episode. In today's episode, we'll be talking about culture changes that we might expect to see throughout the years because of COVID. Culture change is important to study so that we can learn from our past experiences to condone a better future. As your host today, I will touch on a few critical topics like a different form of patriotism, normalizing virtual meets, and lastly, decreasing the gap of inequality. In the United States, patriotism is a big thing. We have the utmost respect for those who serve our country. Military, Navy, Army, government officials. We celebrate them by making holidays to recognize them and we even name buildings after them and also make statues. This year, we're fighting a war against COVID. And doctors, nurses, healthcare workers are on the front line of this war, and this is why I believe that in five years, patriotism will shift from praising these government and military officials to doctors and healthcare providers. Pathogen prevalence plays a huge role in predicting this shift in our culture. Pathogenic diseases imposes pressures on the social behaviors of human beings. According to Radnum and Grossman's, pathogen prevalence evokes trust in people during the time of pathogenic diseases. Due to the coronavirus, people are more skeptical to trust in doctors and scientists, opposed to our government officials. During the smallpox outbreak in the 60s, Edward Jennings was someone who millions of people trusted worldwide. According to John Epson edward jennings was someone who destroyed the pandemic in the 80s with his creation of a vaccine he has statues that still stand in italy and in france in tokyo and in london stands a memorial in his honor people literally sculpted these sculptures to honor him for his accomplishments in ending the pandemic Now, close your eyes and imagine you're in 2031. No, there's no flying cars yet, but there is a vaccine for the coronavirus. Now, who did Americans with their strong patriotic beliefs praise? No, it wasn't the military. It was the doctors and scientists. Dr. Anthony S. Fauci. Is one of the most recognized doctors in 2020. He received a presidential citation for exemplary leadership, according to the National Academy of Medicine, for his extraordinary services and outstanding contributions to the biomedical science, healthcare, and public health in the United States. He is talked about very highly trusted by not only fellow Americans, but also many presidents who have had Fauci as their medical advisors. Fauci is also very recognized for his leadership during COVID-19 pandemic. Now, it's doctors and scientists like Fauci, who in 2031 will probably be building sculptures and statues of Who knows, maybe just like how we have a Veterans Day. In 2031, we'll probably have a Doctors' Day or a Healthcare Provider Day, where we're able to celebrate these doctors and healthcare providers, scientists, who worked really hard during COVID-19 to fight in this front line and give us trust and leadership when we are at our lowest points. You know, Fauci and his team are working on a vaccine. And so are a lot of other scientists and and doctors. But who knows? What if he does come up with a vaccine? Then who knows how many statues of Fauci there will be around the world. And as easy as that, there's a shift in our patriotism. A new form of patriotism. We're now... We're celebrating doctors and scientists who have worked hard in the front lines and now they're being recognized and we're putting our trust in them because of this pathogen prevalence. Now, not only can COVID-19 change our form of patriotism, but due to COVID-19, we've had to learn to adapt to the crisis we are facing. Everything has been altered to prevent the spread, but also accommodate our new lifestyle. From being able to sit in a room full of your peers ready to learn, to now sitting in your bed, waking up five minutes before your class starts to join your Zoom meeting. Although things may return back to being in person, who's to say that people will want to return? The question of, why does this have to be online, will be replaced with a new question. Why can't this be done online? Residential mobility is a psychological concept that we can use to make this prediction. According to Rodman and Grossman, residential mobility evokes relational mobility. According to psychological consequences of relational mobility, relational mobility is a variable that represents how much freedom and opportunity a society affords individuals to select and replace interpersonal relationships based on their personal preferences. Now, I'm predicting that our personal preferences would be to rather do things online. Have you ever heard of telemedicine? You can literally go to the doctors well not really because it's online through the computer you can meet with a doctor and they can literally tell you what's wrong with you think about it no more waiting rooms no more sitting next to sick people waiting in crowded waiting rooms waiting hours to get seen. now you can do it from the comfort of your own home because of telemedicine now I know me personally, I'd rather just sit on my bed and talk to the doctor from home <laughs> rather than have to wait in a crowded waiting room with other sick people. And you spend more time in the waiting room than you actually do speaking to the doctor. According to patient satisfaction and healthcare utilization using telemedicine in the liver transplant recipients, of the recipients that use the telemedicine opted to use telemedicine services again. Now, this says a lot. This says that people actually like to use telemedicine, that it's efficient. Telemedicine has the effect to help improve our clinics, decreasing waiting time, decreasing costs, Also, in that same article, it was reported that 18% of American adults report cost as the reason for delayed medical care. Cost, however, is not the only obstacle. The article goes on mentioning how appointment availability, travel distance, and time off from work also play into account as to why American adults delay medical care. Because of coronavirus, we are now using telemedicine to its fullest extent. Now, if people begin to realize that they no longer have these obstacles of appointment availability, or travel distance, or time off from work, why are they going to continue to put off their... Medical care. They will prefer to use telemedicine because it's the easier thing to do. It's the more convenient thing to do. People will begin to start asking well, if we can meet with a doctor online, what else can we do online? We can hold conferences and meetings online, like parent teacher conference or business meetings seminars online from the comfort of our own home now although this seems like a very positive thing and there's a lot of pros to this there's also its cons if we become more virtual in the sense where we're not having these one-on-one connections in person anymore How would this affect our social skills? Our interpersonal relationships will be replaced with the desire to do things online, with this preference to do things online where we're not able to really communicate the way we normally do in person. People will get accustomed to doing presentations online. Talking through a computer, through a computer screen and not face-to-face. And then when you actually have to have these face-to-face communications, you won't know how to really interact because you're so used to doing it through a screen. Because of this, your social skills might decrease. People will probably have more anxiety when talking to others in person or will be more shy and reluctant to want to have a conversation and be like a sociable person. It's really interesting to see how telemedicine, but not only telemedicine, and like virtual conferences, virtual meetings, stuff through the computer that we can do online are very beneficial because it's very easy to manage your time and it's convenient, but even though it's all these these things that are beneficial to us and are helpful it's also it's also impacting us negatively because it it can harm our social skills. It's very likely that next year we'll we'll be doing more things like this online. Telemedicine will become normalized and Virtual meetings will become normalized, and we'll have the choice to either join in person or join online. Like, this will be something that's normal to us. Now, if you ask my mom, right, she's a doctor. She she works from home, but also she goes to the hospital to work as well. But she does telemedicine. And if you ask her, she would prefer to do just telemedicine, work from home, it's it's way easier, it's comfortable, it's her preference. Okay, now imagine you waking up every morning, going to the kitchen and seeing your mom, right, on a video call with a patient. She has her lab coat on, right, so from the waist up she looks like a doctor, but from the waist down she's wearing Pajama pants with Christmas trees all over them. (laughs) But it's crazy to think this is the world we live in now because of coronavirus. But it's even crazier to think of how this will probably be normalized. This will continue to be the world we live in where we can join a conference call and be in our pajama pants. But look professional from the waist up. You know, clothing brands will probably start coming out with lines called professional yet comfy. (laughs) Yay! Now, to move on to my last prediction COVID 19 will greatly impact the gap of inequality in the United States. Inequality in America has been at an all time high. Now, more than ever, Protests and demands for change have been a topic greatly discussed in 2020. I predict in about five to seven years, the inequality gap will become smaller. According to Varnum and Grossum, resource inequality evokes aggression. And protests will get bigger with more... People there in support of the protest, more people will want demand, protests will become more aggressive than they already are. The coronavirus makes it more apparent how fairly people of color are treated in America. According to the article, Assessing Differential Impacts of COVID 19 on Black Communities. of COVID cases and 58% of COVID deaths occur in black counties. This is more than half. Why is this percent so high? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. According to the CDC, there are many factors that can put these minority groups at a higher risk for getting sick. The CDC mentions how discrimination, racism, not being insured, lack of transportation, child care, inability to take off from work, and lastly distrust in the healthcare system. Because of a study of untreated syphilis in males and unauthorized sterilization of women of color. People are less likely to go to the hospitals to get tested or treated for coronavirus. However, this inequality of resources will make people very angry. People will protest where they flood the streets of the cities. They will call for reforms, The government will be forced to invest money into low-income neighborhood hospitals, health insurance for all people who live in low-income neighborhoods. To stop the spread of the coronavirus, they would be forced to invest, fix, support these colored counties. By investing in your low-income neighborhoods, this will kill two birds with one stone. By investing, this will decrease the gap of inequality. There goes one bird, (laughs) and the second bird would be decreasing the rate of infection of the colored population. By investing, hospitals are able to lower the cost of their services, maybe even offer free services. If the prices drop, People will start going because they no longer have to wonder about if they can afford the bill. We can predict this culture change because resource inequality tells us that it evokes aggression in people. And if people become aggressive, rebellious, the government will pay attention. And to stop this spread, we have to help the lower income neighborhoods, colored people, because these are the people being greatly affected by the disease. Culture is something that is continuously changing, and especially when we have something like COVID-19 that's affecting us in so many ways. There's so many outcomes and possibilities of how COVID can affect our culture and change it for the better or for the worse. It's important to think about, it's important that we take a look at these culture changes that can happen, things that can affect us because of COVID-19. That way we can prepare for the future or change the future. If these impacts are negative and not positive ones, we can change our culture for the better. I hope that you all have enjoyed today's podcast. Thank you all for listening I hope that the ideas were interesting and maybe you were able to cultivate your own predictions of how COVID will affect our culture. Um, All the sources that were mentioned throughout the podcast can be available to look at. And my Omega visit, please be sure to check that out as well. If you like the podcast, make sure to give it a thumbs up. Thank you all once again. It was an honor to be your host. Till the next podcast. See you guys.